Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 239 and 240 of this daily study podcast. Yes, um, you may have noticed there's not been a couple of episodes uh, over the last couple of days. Um, that is partially, well, mainly because, uh, as I mentioned in my Monday episode or, or the Sunday episode, I can't remember uh, this, uh, I, I've been away with family. Uh, we've had a wonderful holiday uh, and I wanted to catch up a little bit uh, with what uh, I've been studying. And I also didn't want to lose the rhythm of the episode. So what I'll do today is I'll share the background and context of the uh, the one section that we're looking at in this week's Come Follow Me, which I'm sure you've already started studying, um, as well as the beginning of that section as well. And we'll do that in a 20-minute episode today. So, of course, if you like, uh, well, of course you like, because you listen to it for this, probably one of this, these reasons. Uh, if you prefer, obviously, your 10-minute um, chunk episodes a day, uh, then obviously if with this one you can listen to the first 10 minutes if you wish and then catch up with the rest later or just listen to all in one go. Uh, but yeah, we'll do a 20 minute episode today just to catch up with where we are up to. And then I'll begin from Thursday um, in our regular 10 minute episode chunks. So um, as I mentioned uh, this week, we're once again looking at one section in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, we are looking at... Uh, First of all, at uh, August the 23rd to August the 29th, uh, and it is covering Doctrine and Covenants section 93. Now, Doctrine and Covenants section 93, as, as I'm sure you're aware by now, uh, because I'm sure you've been studying, studying along yourself and all these things, uh, is a pretty substantial section, shall we say. It covers some very significant doctrines, uh, and it is a real masterpiece when it comes to understanding theology and understanding, more importantly, uh, who are, who God is, who he is as Heavenly Father to us, uh, and a number of other things as well. So as we go through, uh, just remember, well, as we will learn, that these ideas and understandings of Heavenly Father that we learn in Doctrine and Covenants 93 were not uh, necessarily uh, wealth, or, uh, common knowledge, or the prevalent thought in, in that day when Joseph Smith received this revelation. So uh, this will be of particular interest to us as we look at the background and context now. To do this, we're going to look at the Revelations in Context uh, section. Um, again, found in your historical resources in your digital version of your Come Follow Me manual. Um, the whole chapter dedicated to this section called Man Was Also in the Beginning with God. Now, in terms of the background and context of this, we don't actually have a lot of detail about the specific day or circumstances of this revelation itself that was given for Doctrine and Covenants section 93. We do know that the, in the lead up to it, uh, there was a number of things that happened. It says in the Revelations in Context chapter, quote, from late January until April 1833, Joseph Smith and 15 to 20 other men attended the School of the Prophets in the Newell K. Whitney store in Kirtland, Ohio. In their meetings, they sang, prayed, studied a variety of suggestions on the mundane to the sacred and exercised spiritual gifts. Close quote. So we know that in the months preceding this section, there was a lot of study and discussion and contemplation over um, eternal things of eternal nature. Uh, in the School of the Prophets. 
there was all sorts of things that happened, including the word of wisdom, uh, w- which was revealed. There was also a hymn that was sung in an unknown tongue um, and many, many other things as well. Now, we have uh, a bit of an understanding about the pre-mortal life here. Uh, in this hymn that was sung, it was um, interpreted as um, a hymn about Enoch's vision, uh, which was found in the Joseph Smith's revision of Genesis. Uh, it goes on to say further in Revelations and Context, quote, Enoch's vision was probably more was probably familiar to most of the men in the school, penned about two years earlier and published in the Evening and Morning Star, an early church newspaper in 1832. The vision gave a grand overview of human history. In the words of Patton's interpreted hymn, Enoch was shown what had passed and, and what then then was a, and is present and to come. The vision also gave church members one of the earliest glimpses of the idea of a pre-mortal existence. I made the world and men before they were in the flesh, the Lord told the ancient prophets, which we find in Moses 6.51, close quote. So we have here um, kind of an understanding of where a number of these doctrines and um, principles uh, began their um, understanding. uh, And this understanding was given to the saints. So it was um, on May the 6th, we read, quote, "A a few weeks after the school adjourned for the warm season, Joseph Smith received a revelation giving further details about a pre-mortal existence. Now found in Doctrine and Covenants section 93, the revelation departed from the traditional Christian ideas about the nature of humankind, opening startling new vistas in our pre-mortal past, our future potential, and our relationship to God. Um, close quote. Now, as Revelations and Context explains, there is a number of things uh, in this section which kind of defied what was the current uh, Christian views about God and our relationship to him um, going forwards. Um, it says, quote, Since the, 50, the 5th century, Christian orthodoxy had imposed an almost impassable gulf between the creator and his creations. Humankind, Christians came to believe, was created from nothing. God was not a craftsman who refashioned existing materials, but wholly different and apart from his creation, mysterious and unknowable. The Bible's parent-childhood description of God's relationship to us was understood as largely a metaphor instead of a literal kinship. To, to suggest otherwise is, in the estimation of most Christian thinkers, blasphemously lessened God or dangerously elevated humankind. Close quote. Now, I'm sure as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are aware of and understand how when we do talk about this doctrine with our Christian colleagues, that at times they find this to be a blasphemous or at least an incorrect uh, teaching that the relationship between father and child, our Heavenly Father and his spirit children, uh, it was a, a metaphorical suggestion and that God is unknowable and unreachable and to suggest that we can one day become like him uh, was unthinkable. Uh, and yet, when we uh, go through the section, we find, um, or we will find, that there is a number of important points about this and wonderful teachings uh, to sh- help us understand why this is the case. Um, and that it does not mean that we lessen our Heavenly Father or indeed that we elevate ourselves. But in fact, we just 
um, celebrate and commemorate and elevate more the sacrifice of our Saviour Jesus Christ and how it is him that made this possible. We will also learn about the pre-mortal existence in this section, as well as um, more, more truth about God and human nature. Uh, I don't want to go too much into that into the discussion about you know, what it will teach us, because we'll learn about that as we go through this section uh, in the second half of this episode, obviously. And of course, uh, as we move on into the further episodes for this week. Uh, but we have got here... Um, a bit of an afterthought on this in the um, in the Revelations and Contact section. It says, quote, Joseph Smith spent the rest of his life pondering the implications of these stunning revelatory teachings. Years later in Nauvoo, he gave these truths in their most complete expression in his last conference sermon. Echoing the words of the Revelation, he taught that men and women were co-eternal with God and could become like him by going from a small capacity to a great capacity, until eventually they, they did well in everlasting burnings. Speaking with revealed assurance, he taught the soul, the mind of man, where did it come from? The learned say God says God made it in the beginning, but it is not so. I know better. God has told me so. Close quote. And I think that is a wonderful place to go now to the Doctrine and Covenants section, which we're going to look at this week. <clears throat> so Doctrine and Covenants section 93, uh, as, as, as we've spoken about, and as if we're beginning a new episode, because we are reaching about the 10 minute mark now, um, is uh, a wonderful section, which has a lot of uh, teachings and, and doctrines that we need to know, um, which we can understand as we learn line upon line, and as we receive grace for grace. Um, so let's go to the section now and have a look at what we've got here. So in verse uh, 1 it says, Verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins, and cometh unto me, and calleth on my name, and obeyeth my voice, and keepeth my commandments, shall see my face, and know that I am. Really, our Heavenly Father wants us to know him. He wants us to understand uh, and get to learn about why he does the things he does. I mean, obviously, there will still be things in this life we don't fully understand until after we progress to the hereafter and we start to see things with an even more eternal perspective. But our Heavenly Father wants us to see his face and know that he is. Now, of course, you know, are we really going to see his actual face um, in this life? Or is this suggesting other ways that we can come to know him? Uh, Elder Bruce R. McConkie says this, quote, The Lord wants all his children to gain light and truth and knowledge from on high. It is his will that we pierce the veil and rend the heavens and see the visions of eternity. Such is his promise here and now while we yet dwell as mortals in a world of sorrow and sin. It is our privilege, even now, the privilege of all who hold the holy priesthood. <clears throat> if, we, if we will strip ourselves from jealousies and fears and humble ourselves before him, as he has said, to have the veil rent and see him and know that he is, close quote. Now, how that, you know, is um, translated in our day, I mean, we could see our Heavenly Father, we could see our Saviour, you know, many people have in the temple and in other times as well. Uh, but how do we uh, do that now? Well, we learn, we, 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 we seek the light and truth that comes from our Heavenly Father. And we'll talk about that light now. 
It says, and I am that the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, we've discussed the idea of the light of Christ and what this light is. Uh, and it is such an important uh, aspect of our uh, uh, mortal life. I mean, our Heavenly Father, he has sent us to this earth. And sometimes we may think, you know, did he just want us to come and try it ourselves and, and, and kind of just leave us to it? But of course not. Even those that that live through their lives without a knowledge of the gospel receive light in their lives. Albert D. Todd Christopherson says, quote, How glorious it is to contemplate that we have been invited into that perfect unity that exists with the Father and Son. How can this happen? Pondering this question, it becomes clear that we must begin by becoming one within ourselves. We are dual beings of spirit and flesh, and we sometimes feel out of harmony or in conflict. Our spirit is enlightened by conscience, the light of Christ, and naturally responds to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit and desires to follow truth. But the appetites and temptations to which the flesh is subject can, if permitted, overwhelm and dominate the spirit. Close quote. So it is a uh, reminder to us that if we want to receive this light and, ha and have it burn and shine brighter in within us, we need to be more at unity with our Heavenly Father. And we do this by following the, the promptings and the whisperings of the Spirit. And we follow the law. Now, we are going to come to um, kind of the commandments and, and the important part of this, because I think that once we understand section 93 more, it helps us to understand more why we have the commandments and what they are. They are not a list of do's and don'ts for our Heavenly Father who has um, kind of at his whim set these commandments and things for us. These laws are eternal. They are of a spiritual nature. And whilst they are applicable or applied in, in our day differently to the perhaps they were in the early 1800s and differently to how they were millennia ago with the ancient apostles, uh, ancient prophets and apostles, um, the laws which they help us to live are of an eternal nature. And ultimately what the Heavenly Father gives to us because he knows that's how we, re we receive further light um, and unity with him is that those are the laws that he lives. And in fact, that unity is spoken of next in verse 3, where it says, And that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the Father and I are one. Uh, President Henry B. Eyring said this, quote, You have seen the evidence, as I have, that we are moving toward becoming one. The miracle of unity is being granted to us as we pray and work for it in the Lord's way. Our hearts will be knit together in unity. God has promised that blessing, that blessing to his faithful saints Whatever their differences in background and whatever conflict rages around them, he was praying for us as well as his disciples when he asked of his father that asked his father that we might be one. Um, he cannot grant it to us as individuals. The joy of unity he wants so much to give us is not solitary. We must seek it and qualify for it with others. It is not surprising then that God urges us to gather so that he can bless us. He wants us to gather into our families. He has established classes of wards and branches and commanded us to meet together often. In those gatherings which God has designed for us lies our great opportunity. We can pray and work for the unity that will bring us joy and multiply our power to serve. Close quote. That by President Henry B. Eyring is a wonderful explanation and a brilliant uh, teaching about the importance of families, the importance of meeting together often as saints as well. 
I mean, especially after, as we start to come out of, in most places, or in a number of places, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, or at least we have a reprieve at this time. Of course, we don't we don't quite know what's going to happen in, in the autumn and winter months with the, with the virus. But as we come out of this, and in many places in the world are now meeting together physically more often, um, we start to understand the importance of this, that the unity can only be produced if we meet together. Uh, and that doesn't just apply to us and our Heavenly Father. We need to meet together after it with him through prayer. But we also need to uh, meet together with fellow citizens and saints and develop that unity there with, with them. Um, we then move forward and we go into verse kind of six and see some words from the Apostle John. Now, John, um, you know, again, very important individual uh, and we have here kind of a, a reference to his teachings in John chapter one, where he talks about the word and the word was light and so on. Um, and I think that for us to understand what he's talking about here, we need to remember our discussion that we've just had about light. And actually this part is quoted from John himself in the revelation. Uh, we, we have a switch here and it says, and he bore record saying, I saw his glory and that he was in the beginning before the world was. Uh, and then he goes on about this discussion about light uh, and truth. Uh, and if we look at verse nine, it says the light and the redeemer of the world, the spirit of truth who came into the world because of the, the world was made by him. And in, in him was the life of men and the light of men. Uh, we, we have here an understanding about um, what this light is we've talked about it before but light um, is truth and light is law as we talked about uh, earlier in doctrine covenants section 88 if i if i remember correctly uh, these things are you know further principles that have been added onto line upon line as we've spoken about from the beginning uh, and president Alan h oaks said this quote Jesus Christ is the light and life of the world because all things were made by him under the direction and according to the plan of God, the father, Jesus Christ is the creator, the source of the light and life of all things. Through modern revelation, we have the testimony of John who bore record that Jesus Christ is the light and the redeemer of the world and the spirit of truth who came into the world because the world was made by him. The worlds were made by him and men were made by him. All things were made by him and through him and of him, close quote. Um, yeah, so, you know, Jesus Christ, again, not only is central to our salvation, but he is central to everything, to even the beginning of the earth and mankind. Uh, it would not have happened without him. But, of course, as we know that the Saviour, when we learn about him, uh, he came and dwelt among us, uh, which is what in verse 11 uh, John says, uh, and he talks about how the Saviour came to live among us as well. Um, Bruce R. McConkie said this, quote, Now when Christ was here in his ministry, he had told his disciples that when he went away, he would send another comforter. That is a comforter other than he himself, for he was a comfort to them. And that this comforter would recall to their minds all things that he had told them and would guide them to all truth. And when he said that they would be guided into all truth, I believe that he meant it literally. And that in due course, not in time, but in eternity, they would obtain a fullness of truth, even as Christ himself, having gone from grace to grace, as, uh, has received a fullness of truth and a fullness of the glory of the Father. Close quote. 
this is what Doctrine and Covenants section 93 is trying to teach to us. And we're going to finish here because it's reaching the 20 minute mark. But let's remember as we go through Doctrine and Covenants section 93 this week that this is the Lord teaching us with an eye to helping us have all light as he does in future times. Thank you very much for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed this study, uh, this bumper episode as we catch up. Uh, please do follow the podcast uh, on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And until we meet again.